Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. I'm Kate Prusser, the Managing Editor of Lookout Landing, and I am here tonight, again, happy to talk to you all again. Uh, we've had some off days just because of, of uh, scheduling conflicts and whatnot, but I'm very happy to be joined, as usual, by John Troopin. John, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I've uh, not been extended a qualifying offer, and I'm looking forward to free agency uh, yet Testing again. the waters of free agency? Indeed, indeed. Uh, swimming ever deeper uh, <laughs> into into Puget Sound. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, we, you know, we had a little bit of time off. Uh, you know, last time I think we talked was in the midst of the World Series. And, mm-hmm. um, and what a World Series it was. It, it was it was fantastic um, and and a nice palate cleanser which I think we talked about a little bit and and I feel ev- even more so now um, you know with 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 little controversies for sure but for the most part just in terms of baseball specifically it was nice to watch watch and enjoy baseball and mm-hmm. not be stressing about what lousy pitcher we needed to play <laughs> play their 98th percentile best uh situation for the team to get in at 84 and it 80. was indeed nice to not stress and just enjoy the yeah. the, the the majesty of the baseball playing out before us yes um but now it is the off season and it is time 
things are happening. It's time for <laughs> activity. Yes, we got we got the stove heating up. Yes, exactly. So um, this week we are going to be releasing our comprehensive off-season plan on Lookout Landing, and I uh, encourage you all to go take a look at that. It's very lengthy, so (laughs) take it. (laughs) We've been working on it for weeks. Yeah. Um, and one of the lead architects is, of that plan is here with us as well, and that is our own Ben Thone. Ben. How's it going, guys? Hi. Ben, I always I say your name like Throne without the R. Is that right? That, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I've never used that specific example for people, <laughs> but I, I usually say Throwin without the R. Yeah. So. Like, yeah, like noted musical artist Mark Cohen. <laughs> right, that's oh. one I've never heard, but yeah, I, I've, I've kind of defaulted to the uh, two-syllable last name, but I've never seen I it like phonomically broken out. I am really confused about why you didn't take Watch the Thone as your Twitter handle. That that feels like a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, I was young. Um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know what I was signing yet. up for, so... <laughs> 280 characters, baby. Let's go. Oh, man. Can we, can we just briefly talk about how that is literally the worst? Okay, I mean, no, I, it's not literally no. the worst thing that Twitter's no. ever done. Twitter is allowing, not, Twitter is checkmarking Nazis. Like, okay, that's, no. We, we, I can't I, I can't say it's the worst, but oh, my God. It's monsters. Just monsters. I, I will say my feed today was 50% people marveling that they had 280 characters. Uh, 25 and like 25 to 40 percent people complaining about 280 characters so i'm pretty ready for us to just kind of like settle in and just let it be and and one percent the very snide oh you just have 280 now i've had it for weeks (laughs) you are the worst people you are the true monsters (laughs) Well, I needed all 280 of those to fit in all of the uh, ex-Mariners who are now, yes. as oh of today, declared minor league free agents. Yes, that, so that th- is some big news that we have today. Uh, 36 free agents, which is the most. Uh, the Marlins come in next at 30. The Mets have like 28. The Astros have seven, if you want a, a pretty bleak estimation of how those two farms work differently. Uh-huh. Um, Ben, you want to give us some of the big names that are have declared for free agency? Some, because I yeah, know there were um, some that surprised me. Or at least recognizable names. Yeah. Well, the fact that we could have anybody who's a catcher declare for free agency was surprising to me, considering I wasn't aware we had any of those in our system. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, amongst them, catcher. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Tyler Marlette was one that I was kind of surprised to see go. Uh, with Marcus Littlewood too, just because they were working with him for a while on that transition to uh, being a backstop, and then um, Dylan Unsworth is a guy that I seem to remember him being pretty, pretty well regarded prospect for a while there. And granted, he's been um, got some of that strikeout strikeout stuffs kind of disappeared after he's been recovering from injuries. I still kind of viewed him with my prospect goggles, so um, I was surprised to see him. Uh, already eligible to declare for minor league free agency as well. Yeah, Unsworth is just not able to stay healthy, unfortunately. So that's that's the issue with him. And, I mean, there's a good possibility that a lot of these guys will be back because, theoretically, yeah. uh, they've got to find other organizations that want to take them on um, and will tender them contracts. 
and where they feel like they have a shot of moving up. And, you know, um, if it's not these guys, it'll be another set of guys. And um, I am also surprised about Tyler Marlette. I really thought he was going to put it together after 2016. He was decent in the Arizona Fall League, but he is just not progressing. Um, he's not progressing with the bat, and he's not progressing with his defense. One thing I'm really worried about there, or at least it kind of crossed my mind, is that I, uh, Lindsey Koffel, who you guys all know I'm the biggest proponent of. Wait, do we um, say Koffel or Koff? How do you say it? I say Koffel. Like, Koffel? Oh, I that's how it I've always. I should, that should have been something I asked him, I guess. But, yeah, um, I was going to say, you're like his buddy. <laughs> we'll find out yeah. how that is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he specifically mentioned uh, Marlette when he talked about his success in the second half. And yeah. looking back, it looked like he had him catch him, uh, indeed, like ninety percent of the time. So I'm hoping that um, that doesn't really play a role, you know, in how things shake out for him. Hope, well, if he with... likes if he likes Marlette, he's gonna love Tuffy. So let's. I, I mean, Tuffy is even. Remember that uh, Cahill, which I'm gonna continue to say is Cahill, was throwing to indie ball catchers like a year ago. So. Well, and we'll see too. I mean, I, as I tweeted out earlier today, he—I uh, was happy to see he wound up on uh, Venezuelan league roster today. Um, yeah, I think that's it's exciting. Caracas. He—he's uh, teammates with Seth Frankoff, who we brought over late in I think early September. So yeah, I was surprised. And whoa, my my couch just broke. Oh. But uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, he'll be working with a new catcher, you know, right away over there. So yeah. I guess we'll see if he can't figure it out. Speaking of Frankoff, he also had a uh, nice outing today, I think, actually, in the Venezuelan League. Um, and he is one of the few guys who we kind of know where he's going. He's staying with the organization. He's been outrighted to AAA Tacoma. They were able to get him through waivers. So uh, the rosters are starting to shape up a little. But uh, obviously, this huge amount of free agency, uh, they're just going to need bodies to fill Tacoma, unfortunately, to fill Tacoma's position players um, and maybe down at the lower levels of the organization too because they lost people like, or will, if they don't resign, lose people like Joey Wong and who was uh, holding down shortstop at AA Arkansas. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going we're gonna to see a whole slew of moves from as a result of this, I think. Uh, but We've got other things to think about, and obviously the chief concern is who is going to be on that 25-man. What are we going to do in the offseason? John, I know that you were looking at uh, the steamer projections. Is that right? Uh, I believe, uh, yeah, so the the depth charts projections on uh, on fan graphs that I believe are based off of – steamers uh, and zips combined uh those uh those initial ones uh have have been put up there um and so uh i think combining combining those and the things that we looked at you know the zips projections had the mariners at 76 and uh 86 um and uh i believe uh steamer or the depth charts ones had them Working out to being about 79 and 83, uh, and obviously that's not going to cut it if you are going to try and, uh, you know, put together a team that's that's 
competing right now. Um, but and both those in, projection systems, like the Angels, a significant amount more. Yes, uh, I think they have the division finishing out with the Astros ahead, of course, and sure. then the Angels, and then the A's ahead yeah. of us. The A's. Yes. Oh. Although and then the Rangers dead last, which yeah. Oof. But I think I think the the important thing to note in that is like the Angels just re-signed Justin Upton, which is essentially the yeah. same thing as making a big free agent signing, um, and so you know that. You know, th- I I've seen rumors that they're gonna try and pursue Mike Mustakas, um, which makes sense for them because I believe they've been starting you know Escobar over there, who's not yep. pr- great shakes. But had um, kind of a good year, so definitely against us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't I don't so actually delightful. have a great sense of how he's uh, how he's been overall. Uh, I think he was okay. Yeah, he, you know he was okay. He didn't I don't think play a full season, but. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the angels, the angels are mostly a fully formed team at this Mm. point. And, and I think that makes sense that they would, they would be regarded pretty well. And, you know, if, if their pitching staff is healthy, then they might be a pretty good team. Always Um, a big if for them though. But, you know, if, if the Mariners have a question mark filled pitching staff, then, uh, you know, the, uh, the angels have a question mark. Uh, filled pitching staff, but written in Spanish so that there are multiple question marks on either end <laughs> of the <laughs> sentence. Um, you know, so... And and the A's are a similar way. You know, they most of their players are, are, are internal uh, builds or, or players, mm-hmm. you know, are, are guys that are coming up from their minors, whether they were drafted or whether they were signed or whether they were traded for. But, you Red know, guys like Olsen noise. and... Exactly, and and guys like Olson and Chapman, who they are young players expected to improve, and so you know I think it's a reasonable case to make that the A's are going to be a pain next yeah. year, but they also don't have much pitching or the pitching that they had, uh, that they thought was going to be a strength maybe coming into twenty six or twenty seventeen rather, uh, took a took a step back. You saw guys like Jarrell Cotton who showed really good signs uh, prior to last year essentially, you know, struggle to stay at the major league level. Um, you know, and, and be barely replacement level. Um, Manea, yeah. Um, you know, another guy who was hurt, I believe, for a bit and also just, you know, couldn't couldn't totally hang uh, all that well and so you know and Kendall Graveman was fine but Kendall Graveman was essentially their best pitcher and that's not gonna cut it um, <laughs> and they're now sans sonning gray so exactly yeah and so you know that essentially you have you have a couple teams you have three teams that are mostly the team that they're gonna be uh, you know, maybe that's a bit much but like the A's aren't gonna make huge signings they could make trades uh, if they want, you know, and probably will, but uh, they just don't have that much cash to work with, and right. that's that's their unfortunate situation. Um, and the Astros have a little bit of money to work with, but you know, they also they traded for Justin Verlander. They're not yeah. going to add all that much cash, uh, you know, and so they get Carlos Beltran off the books. They probably have a little bit to work with, um, but they're not going to make, I think, huge splashes. Uh, the Angels maybe have one more big signing in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Mariners and the Rangers, I think, are two the two teams that have the most the most, the most work to do, mm-hmm. but also the biggest essentially spaces where you can say, okay, 
they're going to add something here. Right. And that's going to make an impact on the Right, they on literally need a human to play first. <laughs> exactly. Too, so. Right. Uh, we love Dan Vogelbeck, but uh, he's probably not the answer there. So if you're basing yeah. projections off of a Dan Vogelbeck first base, then that explains why they're coming in graded out pretty poorly. Right. And, and you know, it's not an ideal situation to be in to say, okay, we need to sign multiple free agents to make our team look <laughs> like uh, a player team for sure like you know that's a that's a uh a less than ideal uh situation to be in but uh as, you know as we have sort of put together and and as we're going to continue talking about the rest the rest of this uh there are a lot of ways that the Mariners can go that is going to result in um a uh a potentially uh very satisfying uh, and, and productive uh, off-season. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about those names. Um, we have ranked them as starting pitching, then first base, then outfield. I think there's an argument that you can make that, well, the they should outfield is a bigger priority than first base. First base has so much depth. That, but I think just in, in terms of adding wins to the team where there weren't wins before, these are the biggest areas of needs. And certainly uh, DePoto has made some comments that uh, lead you to believe that maybe he's not going to be super active um, in free agency with starting pitching, which is terrifying. Uh, This could be diversionary tactics, who knows, but we've seen a lot of comments about the wolf pack and not so many comments about anything else. Um, so, but I think that anyone who follows the team, uh, anyone who writes about the team, anyone who knows anything about the Mariners knows that their number one need is starting pitching. So we're all agreed that that's the, the order that we think the team should be addressing its needs in. Yeah, I would definitely say that's the case. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's start off by talking a little bit about, uh, what we would like to see happen and here is the moment where we need to pause and talk a little bit about Shohei Otani, as we'll be talking about him for the rest our, of the yeah. season, for sure. Our, our compulsory uh, every podcast for the rest yeah. of the off season yeah. <laughs> <Could> <laughs> until he signs elsewhere. A little jingle. Yeah, like Otani watch 2017. We could just play two notes of the hand, like the the fighters. Uh, intro song. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So Otani Watch, uh, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. What is uh, what? What do we know? What's new that we know about Otani? Um. Well, what we've what we've seen this week was some c- sort of concern that he wouldn't be able to make it over uh, this off season yes. because of sort of a disagreement between the NPB, Japan's professional baseball, uh, and the uh, MLB. And essentially what that boiled down to was, um, to try and put it in a, in a short, sh- you know, condensed version, um, the previous posting system for players uh, es- essentially dictated that any team that was interested in signing a player would post uh, a amount of money they were willing to negotiate with that player. And that could go all the way up to $20 million. And if multiple teams posted $20 million, then the player would get to choose to negotiate with whichever uh, player, whichever teams that they wanted. Um, and 
if after a certain amount of time, I think it's 30 days, they couldn't get it done, no deal, uh, the player would return. Now, the upcoming new uh, system is going to be that uh, however much the contract is that the player signs for, uh, the Japanese team that they played for will get a percentage amount um, corresponding to that contract that the player signs, which is fine, you know, in a situation like Masahiro Tanaka or Yu Darvish, where they're they're signing a 50, 60 million dollar contract coming out, you know, you're going to get 20, 30 million dollars, something like that, and the, the NPB team will be happy. But because Otani's coming over early uh, and is not going to be getting more than five million dollars, uh, the fighters essentially said, "Hey, we want tw- we want our twenty million." Right. Um, so that appears to have been resolved um, as of either yesterday or today. I hope um, someone explained using a tax metaphor. Yeah, I, I certainly that's not something that I have a great sense of, but apparently they're just grandfathering in the old rules. Uh, so it'll be the $20 million posting, uh, as far as I can tell. And uh, then, you know, in future, it'll be different. But yeah, so th- this worked out. Otani has signed a, an agent um, that happens to be you know, uh, Gene Segura's agent. That doesn't really matter uh, because... You know this organization represents, hun- you know, hundreds of players. So, but it's you know it's a it, I, it's better than them not having any, re- you know, bearing I guess uh, uh, with the Mariners. So, uh, so we'll see. But uh, as far as we know, there's there's not <laughs> there's nothing nothing concrete that we know that's new. Nothing concrete that we know that's new. But that does not stop there being a an daily outpouring of writing about the, speculating where Otani might go and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's fair to say because we've, we now know the Mariners are one of, I think six teams that are able to offer a multi-million dollar contract. You know, that at least is maybe some small edge, probably not a huge deal. Um, especially since the, Two of the two of the five teams ahead of them are the Rangers and the Yankees, which would be about the biggest nightmare scenario that the Mariners could have. Um, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think I think it's I think it's still something that's very unlikely. But you you should you should feel okay about the Mariners' chances. It's not it's not outlandish that the, the Mariners will have a shot, uh, and hopefully, uh, the hiring of Doctor Lorena Martin. Uh, <laughs> indicates uh, them them working on a specific plan. Uh, you know, since since one of the things that Dr. Martin was focused on was helping work out rest and and how to best optimize player performance um, and uh, you know specific th- ways to to work out playing time and and things like that. Uh, you know, perhaps that helps the Mariners make a more uh, cohesive, sophisticated case, uh, but that you know, as much as we can hope and try and try and point the point the microscope, you know, it's it's really tough for us to say from this distance uh, what what that's going to be. But there are a lot of other free agents uh, that are right right here in front of our faces that that we can we can see the Mariners improving with. Um, and a few we want them to stay away from. Yep. 
right, so, so perhaps we could talk about uh, aside from Shohei Otani, who we would most like to see come to the Mariners. What is your if you were given any wish, who would you most like out of this free agent class to become a Mariner? Uh, ben, Ben, I know you've you've been looking through this a lot. I, I would love to hear. Uh, you know, I I think we we've talked about you, Darvish, a fair amount. Um, but uh, I w- I would love to hear uh, what what your for who your first pick and and maybe who your pick that that people might not be hi- focusing on would be for this. Yeah, I would say. I mean, if we're trying to stay within the uh, spectrum of what's you know realistic and what's a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we're going to skip right past the starting pitching uh, category, um, you know, obviously skip past the like Lorenzo Cain's of the world. Um, mm-hmm. The couple of guys that have kind of piqued my interest lately, and you guys will probably uh, you'll be reading about this in the offseason plan we put together. Uh, one is, uh, as you kind of previously touched on, I'm actually really interested in Curtis Granderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was actually really happy yesterday to see, I think it was uh, Jeff Passan that was putting out all these reports that, it could have been Morosi, I'm not sure, but one of them was saying that Granderson does indeed intend to play yesterday, and I'm like, this guy's coming off of like a two-win season. Do you guys realize this would have been like one of the better players on our team, and they felt like it was necessary to uh, like confirm the fact he wasn't considered retirement? And that's actually something I touched on in the off-season plan too. Is that I, I think just because he kind of struggled in like a roughly 40-game stint with you know the winningest team in baseball. Um, just because that's in the national spotlight, everyone kind of assumed that uh, you know he's useless now. You know, so and and yeah. he has a sort of like he he's kind of gone from the frying pan into the fire, right? Like he went he was on the Yankees for a while, yeah. Went from the Yankees to the Mets, and then was traded from the Mets to uh, the Dodgers. Like this guy has been no, on the <laughs> most high profile, yeah. like. No ma- like no matter how, and he's been making a ton of money. So like if you're, you know, he's been essentially like a that's good the player. That's frying pan to the fire to <laughs> the frying pan that's sitting on top of a fire. <laughs> uh, you know, so like there's no the, he, underappreciated. Perhaps does not begin to cover, uh, you know, the way that Granderson has has been uh, the last few years, right? Especially just because. As again, that's something I kind of touched on in the offseason plan. I think because he's no longer a center fielder, or at least that's not where his primary position is at anymore, people think that he that's a clear sign that he's kind of you know washed up or he's breaking down. And really, uh, I mean, just because he's not a center fielder anymore, that's almost a good thing because now he performs from what I understand with his defensive metrics, he's grading out as an elite corner outfielder as opposed to a subpar center fielder, which tying it into the Mariners that's obviously not ideal because that's kind of where we have our vacancy right now is there in center field mm-hmm. but um that, I mean I kind of put it to you guys that uh, if, if we feel like Mitch Haniger can patrol center field and do a serviceable job out there uh, I mean I think we kind of make up for it by having a plus corner outfielder in Granderson that we can slot in over there mm-hmm. and that was sort of one of the you know I mean there, there are a couple ways that the Mariners because you know, we talked about the spots that the Mariners need to fill you know it's starting pitching it's at least either a center fielder or a corner outfielder and first base like those are those are spots and then maybe backup catcher but like we'll get to that if we need to um but you know if if there's a fit if there's a way to you know get a discount then you know there 
it is essential that they find you know ways to maximize their value and um you know i was really interested in jd martinez for a little bit and you know obviously he's going to be priced out of the mariners range and i don't even know if he makes sense report i saw said boris is trying to get him 200 200. yeah so (laughs) no and also (laughs) like i I think i saw boston yeah, and in fairness, like I think I saw Jay Bruce is trying to get five years, like eighty million, um, which dreams. is not. Yeah, well, you know we do, <laughs> um, exactly. But uh, you know the the cost for center fielders is really high, and you know like Ben, you mentioned Renzo Kane, like that's someone who could get five years, yeah, eighty million, ninety million, hundred million, you know, and and w- I don't think that's a good deal for the Mariners. I think we've seen him linked to Seattle a few times and it's like he's probably going to be fine, but you know, that's just not a reasonable allocation of resources. But if you feel you can hang with Haniger in center field and, you know, sometimes with Aredia in center field and I mean, Gamble's not great, but you know, if you stick him out there, it's not going to be a disaster for a little bit. Um, you know, and I'm I'm higher on Hanager and Center than perhaps others, but you know that allows you to get someone like Granderson, where you can say you're going to be okay out there, mm-hmm. and you're going to provide Value you know with your the bat. exactly, mm-hmm. and and in a way that the Mariners didn't have in in a consistent way last year. Um, so you know I think that's a very a very interesting thing. Uh, so are all of us kind of, I mean, we're already, I think, getting into the next thing that we were going to talk about, which would, who would, who would be a sneaky good pickup? Maybe not <laughs> like the top. I wanted us to have a little more space to dream on, you know, well, if we could have anyone, but we are already, we are, we are true <laughs> Mariners fans because we are already into the value. No here. dreams, only sneaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I think with the, tradi- you know, the, the, trend we've seen from DePoto is he doesn't prioritize free agency and that's fine you know that doesn't that's not necessarily a bad thing but he's more likely to trend towards what he sees as a value as opposed to trying to blow out um you know trying to blow away everything with with a signing in free agency um so you know there are pitchers i think that we all are interested in and Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn um and maybe those are guys that the Mariners target um but i think guys like Tyler Chatwood make more sense yeah. and i think these types of lower profile uh value pickups are are maybe more what we're going to be needing to get comfortable with and um, i think that that is largely because i mean as we kind of touched on we have so many holes to fill and it's not really any secret mm-hmm. that we don't have currency in the form of prospects or other really, right. besides outside of maybe our bullpen, other really tradable assets to mm-hmm. obtain in those um, positions of need. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, logic kind of says if we have, you know, four spots we need to fill and more than likely it's going to have to come via the you know free agency, then yeah. I'd rather have four replacement level guys or slightly better than one you know, above replacement level guy and a few guys who are going to be really negatively affecting the team. So we kind of have to um, allocate those funds evenly. Yeah. Um, and to that end, so so we talked about Granderson a little bit, who who brings a solid bat and 
you know, the drawback on him is he's 37, I think. Uh, 36, but but will be 37, um, you know, turn 37 in spring training uh, next year. He could probably be had for somewhere around, you know, seven to, you know, six, maybe six to eight million uh, seems is what I've seen the projections for him um, and, and seems reasonable. Uh, but, you know, maybe his defense slips a little bit with his age. Um, you know, Grander- Granderson, I think, fits the offensive side of the bill, and, and if he's healthy, perhaps is is defensively capable. Um, but that that's, I think, a good person we could pursue in free agency. Kate, you have been a proponent of looking outside of free agency um, to, you know, as, as Ben said, we don't have the prospect capital, uh, but we do have is a little bit of space uh, and, and the, the standard capital, the capital capital, <laughs> yes. the, the money capital. Money capital. Money. We got, we, we got the moolah. We got the green. We got the hard tack. No, I don't uh, think that's a, a okay. It's, it's anyway. bread. It's bad yeah, bread. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> we got that. I mean, which is. We got that cowboy food. That, I'm just saying that cowboy right cash. <laughs> uh, so you um, you had mentioned a few people that you thought the Mariners could target in trades and and yes. uh, get get good value in. Yes, while simultaneously rebuilding the farm. Um, mm-hmm. And I centered this on the Yankees mm-hmm. because the Yankees have more prospects than they know what to do with. Literally, <laughs> they're sitting around at in Yankee Land right now, like, oh, which of our upcoming promising young outfielders will we have to put exposed to the rule five draft like can you Mm -hmm. imagine like (laughs) i just i can't imagine that embarrassment of riches so anyway if they trade those people they'll at least get something for it um so what they could do is rid themselves of jacoby ellsbury's contract Mm -hmm. by essentially selling him to us along uh-huh. with some of these young prospects who are... Um, and, you know, I think that they could turn out... Like, they're going to have to put Mike Ford. Uh, Mike Ford is going to be eligible for the Rule 5, and I don't think that they have any space for him. So he mm-hmm. should be available. Garrett Cooper is another first baseman who should be available. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the outfield has Billy McKinney in it, who is playing in the AFL right now and doing really well. And, and what level is is he? Uh, so I guess what what I would. Oh I think yeah, all these guys are like triple A. Um, okay, so these these are guys who be could a, be an sure. in, yeah could yeah. be twenty eighteen impact. No, they're 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 well. close. They're close. They're either twenty eighteen ready or at a minimum next season. Okay. Um, which would still be useful because you know in the meantime Jacoby Ellsbury is not exactly like a schmuck. Like, it's true. He doesn't maybe help you out with the center field pro- problem, although I don't know. Um, take a look at him, see what he's got out there. Another uh, huge plus in bringing in McKinney is he automatically becomes like our number two prospect, considering <laughs> how weak our system is <laughs> and how rich theirs is. Yeah, I I think that they might hold McKinney, but they um, they put Jake Cave on the forty, which I some stuff that I read indicated that they didn't think that they would do that. I, the Yankees are going to have some tough decisions to make um, uh-huh. coming up because the, he was. I read several different articles that predicted Cave would not be on the forty man, and they have to put McKinley somewhere. I wonder if they're readying some stuff for trades. 
um, too, which, I, I mean, anyone's got to be looking at the Yankee system with degrees of uh, covetousness and jealousy, as I am, so... Uh-huh. Uh, that just makes a lot of sense to me. Another place I think we could do that is Boston. Um, take on Rusni Castillo's contract and maybe get someone else as well. I mean, in a dream world, maybe you get, if you take on Castillo's full contract, maybe you get Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, to come along with. The Red Sox have plenty of outfielders. They've got a bunch of prospects who are just about ready too, So though, mm. so take from there. I just think it's a double it's a double bonus that basically allows us to buy prospects, um, which is the only way I can see the farm getting restocked after so much of it has been dealt away in trades in this season. Yeah, it's it's the kind of strategy that I really like um, just because I, you know, we it's very easy to see you know, selling your own currently productive players uh, as the main way to restock your farm. Uh, And obviously that that does, that does help restock your farm. And we've seen teams like the White Sox this past year do that, you know, selling Chris Sale and selling um, Adam Eaton uh, to help, you know, put Mm -hmm. their farm system back on the map. Um, But the Mariners don't have a ton of top-level guys to sell, uh, or their top-level guys are uh, at an age where they wouldn't elicit great returns. Um, and so, what uh, you know, what one of the alternative ways of that, uh, or of restocking your farm while also acquiring current value, is taking on those kinds of contracts, um, and especially you know as we've mentioned, you know, there aren't many places that they can sell from. You know, the bullpen is really their only place of depth yeah. at this point. Uh, out, you know, Also, so. another thing is uh, with teams like Boston, they're getting close. To, they want to get out from under the luxury tax because they're mm-hmm. getting close. The Dodgers are getting close mm-hmm. to uh, places where they're going to have to um, forfeit a draft pick. So they want to get out of the luxury tax penalty box before that happens. They're both kind of close to it. Um, I know the Yankees have a pretty low um, overall payroll for them because, Mm. uh, I mean, this is still a high payroll, but it's an overall not as bad as it could be because of the emergence of guys like Judge and Sanchez. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're going to be spending a lot on getting – well, they're, they're going to pay Tanaka, which is honestly a deal. Um, but they've got to get something else into the rotation because they're probably not bringing Sabathia back. Um, they've got... Who else is leaving in free agency? Uh, Pineda. Oh, yeah, they've got the Pineda problem, too. Yeah. Um, so I think that those teams match up as good possibilities and that strategy even though jerry hates spending money he likes getting value and i think either of those would be good ways to go about that um they seem to be the kind of creative thinking that this front office does Mm. um kate do you oh go ahead ahead. i was just gonna say do you think that in a potential ellsbury deal um getting back to the yankees do you think we'd need to absorb all of that contract or could we even afford to do that 
Uh, it depends on what they gave us. Uh, I would be happy to absorb more of the contract if it brought along more talent, um, specifically pitching talent. Uh, I would want, I would definitely want an outfielder. I would definitely want a first baseman. And I would like pitching talent, um, but the Yankees don't have a ton of that. They're pretty thin there, so that might they've, be... They've got a lot of relievers, but not yeah. a ton of starters. They have which, no starting pitching. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of ties into a question that we had from one of our uh, Lookout Landing community. Yes. I think it was, was it Logan Davis had asked about um, potentially bringing in Batances. Uh, yes, so so one of our questions was uh, from Logan Davis about targeting Dylan Batances, who had struggled in, uh, simil- well, somewhat similarly, another question from James Roberts at Junk Ball Pitching was, uh, given the starting pitching market being so top-heavy, uh, would the Mariners be better off spending their assets on making their bullpen elite mm-hmm. um, and sort of focusing on more lottery ticket type guys for their starting pitching? Uh, I think that from DePoto's comments, we're going to be looking at not building elite one-inning arms. I don't think that's the way that they're going to go. Anybody who has value right now is a long reliever. Um, And the other thing is the bullpen is pretty full. Like, I don't know what... Well, I don't see how we could get Patanzas here at all, first of all. like yeah. He, he kind of comes to mind for me because, from what I understand, uh, the Yankees and Patanzas are kind of... Yeah, that's uh, not a great kind of disenchanted themselves from him or whatever, yeah. just with the whole arbitration case. And then the fact that they brought in, you know, a couple other of real uh, dependable relievers to kind of consume the role that he was sort of already occupying... Yeah. Uh, I think and he had a worse year. I mean, he, you know, yeah. his walk rate nearly doubled. It was it was like something like six point six walks per game. Like, yeah, and yeah. I I do think that there's like an you know New York's a tough place to play. It's a tough place when you feel like the media has kind of turned on you. And for a while, it was like people were on his side because of the comments the GM made, and then that kind of flipped over the course of the year as he wasn't performing and you know it's a, it's an unforgiving place New York so <laughs> I think that there is not a huge I, I would not be at all su- surprised to see them move him but I don't see a match for because all, all we have to give up are relievers so yeah. I, I don't it, see any way that he can come to Seattle so you don't think that we could I mean taking on the entire Ellsbury deal and Kansas's oh, deal okay. um, get both those guys. Maybe, maybe. What's Batansis being paid? He's not being paid a ton, is he? Not much because of arbitration. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's the whole point. Duh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I am just. I'm. For me, and partially it's the interest in the miners, but and partially it's looking at this list of uh, free agents. But I am just so concerned about restocking the farm and what they're going to do. But yeah, I mean, Bedances, I think, gives you a great opportunity to win now. That's certainly a possibility. Uh, he's projected for around $4.5 million for arbitration. Yeah, which is, for for the level of production he would give, I think is a reasonable deal. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that he's he's been, he had a terrible 
year last year and was still like over a one win pitcher in relief like and he's been around a three win reliever which is pretty insane yeah i just think that a club that's desperate for a closer uh like the cubs might try to get him um and they have plenty of stuff that they could trade away in order to make that happen and that's you know because i think i in all of these situations it's not like all of these are reasonable targets um you know something like batansis is that's someone that if you couple it with ellsbury you know maybe you can get for for reasonably cheap for for a you know so-so prospect uh and and another you know mlb ready piece but there's just there's never going to be a situation where the mariners can outbid anyone for a for a high top level player right now unless they're willing to just take on a ton of money and you know it's it there are only a few situations where that really applies so excuse me uh, so that's that's a it's just a tough yeah. sitch and it's a tough needle to thread. The only thing that I could see happening from a trade standpoint is, um, I mean, maybe you swap like for like. Although I think that Jerry likes his team, he likes who he has. Mm. Um, I don't see them moving anyone like Hanager or Segura or anyone who he went out and acquired and tried to get. Um, I don't he moves Heredia. I, I just don't no one would want Taylor Motter as much as we would like to move him maybe <laughs> have no value um, the only place I see them being able to deal from is in the bullpen and primarily I don't think you need both Nick Vincent and Emilio Pagan. I think Emilio Pagan can do Nick Vincent's job Like he can come in, he can give you an inning of reliable relief we have relief prospects on the horizon in Art Warren and Matthew Festa, who I think are going to be ready pretty soon. I have no problem dealing anything out of the bullpen. I'm, I don't think I want to give up Edwin Diaz, even though yeah. I think he's the most valuable piece to give. What about you guys? Are you feeling like... I mean, <laughs> Diaz, it, it, it's really just about what, what you can find for value for him. Because, right. you know, if if someone's desperate, if if someone like the Nationals or the Cubs say we have to get our closer, let you know we'll open it up for you. You know then maybe look. I think Ben, you you looked a little bit about this, and I've seen it elsewhere as well. Like the Edwin Diaz for Michael Taylor, uh, kind of. Or uh, I believe Ben, this was also one of yours, Edwin Diaz for Kyle Schwarber. Which is an idea I hate. Uh, I thought I thought I believe that was a Felix for for Kyle Felix Schwarber. Felix for Schwarber. Oh. Uh, which which it was is both more palatable, both. but also less. I mean, palatable. I, I kind of threw out both <laughs> yeah, ideas. Less, less uh, believable, right? I suppose. I, I, yeah, I saw uh, that on a Cubs blog. Actually, I think the um, the Felix for Schwarber thing. I just I don't understand why the Cubs would want. I don't see anyone wanting Felix, unfortunately, other than us. I mean, when we look for players that that we want to target, you look at, oh, this guy's had 
had elite talent but has had some injury issues and maybe they can figure it out and get healthy and put it together which I guess is what you'd see in Felix if you were looking at him from another team's perspective but just having lived in it I feel like it's it's tough to envision yeah we know how many miles are on the <laughs> we we have watched I have watched exclusively Felix starts for several months of baseball uh in the late you know early 2010s and I have carefully monitored those <laughs> that stress yeah so i looked into a couple of different uh, potential trades with the cubs and i mean just kind of throwing some names out there uh i saw one where the cubs unloading um, hayward's contract kind of made sense if we were to move a, a hefty contract like felix's as well and i was actually surprised some of the uh, community over at the cubs SB Nation site was actually pretty on board with that i think they were even saying they think just straight up that would be pretty appealing to cubs fans at this point um, but I mean, when it comes to Diaz, I'm kind of of the uh, thinking that you could kind of plug any reliever or failed starter into a one inning role and that they, you could see marginal success. I mean, part of that is the fact that a lot of today's like elite closers are failed starting pitchers. I mean, around the game, you look at guys like, uh, you know, Zach Britton is a failed starting pitcher. And I mean, granted, he's not been successful for a couple of years but like charlie furbush was one of those guys um i mean i'm sure you guys know some other guys who are current closers yeah. who are failed starters i mean of course i draw a blank wade davis wasn't successful <laughs> as a starter in tampa or kansas city and then goes on to be an elite closer as well so i mean chapman Davinsky, couldn't D- yeah, davinsky, davinsky not just not necessarily a closer but a guy who couldn't quite hang although now uh, davinsky wants to be a starter again so yeah which is a big problem with the davinsky role uh, I think we talked about that last time on the podcast, John, that you have to, mm-hmm. if you want guys to really sign on for that multi-inning role, you have to pay them multi-inning, you, you have to pay them starter money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, basically what I was getting at with the whole Diaz thing is I think if somebody's going to, you know, really value a guy because he has the title of closer, then I think you deal him for what you can get because, like I was saying, I mean, lots of failed stars are successful closers, but then we have guys like Jenmar Gomez was a 37-save closer and closer in 2016. And if people are going to value that number for you, I think that you get what you can for them because I think, like I said, I just think a lot of guys, given a, you know, your job is to get three outs today, I think a lot of guys can make that happen you know, with, with a good uh, rate of success just you know, simply due to just the fact that you're seeing these guys at usually at most one time, you know, and I mean, as you guys, if you've ever peaked at the times of the order penalty, I mean, that's obviously in the pitcher's favor if you're only seeing somebody once on the day as opposed to two, three times, four times in a day. I do wonder how the bullpenning, you know, that became so prominent during the um, World Series, how that's affecting how front offices are thinking about bullpen roles. And I know mm-hmm. we got a question... Uh, again from Logan Davis about how the Mariners are going to try, if the Mariners are going to try tandem starting more Gonzalez, Miranda, Ramirez um, and how that affects the bullpen. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think that this also leads into talking a little bit about first base because um, looking at the roster, breaking it down, I have like a rough projection of the 25 and if you have to do the first base platoon, if you have to have two first basemen, so let's say we re-sign Alonso and uh, re-up Valencia, or sign mm-hmm. either of them, whatever, um, sure. then you have a seven-man pen, which you're 
constricted to and then just counting that down that doesn't leave space for Gonzalez and Ramirez and Miranda uh, I kept writing them down and realizing I didn't have space for enough for, for all of them because uh, we have Phelps too so hmm. um, if they sign Logan Morrison who doesn't have a severe platoon split and he hmm. takes the first base job by himself that frees you up another space if we're going to do this bullpenning, this wolf pack, this tandem starts thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that, to me, makes Lomo's price tag, which is going to be, I think, high this offseason. Yeah. I've seen like three for 30, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and especially if somehow the, or if the Red Sox don't get yes. or Hosmer, yeah. I think that they may go on unreasonably hard yes i think that's actually a strong possibility because i think that they'll pay for jd martinez because they're mm -hmm. so desperate for a big bat and um, mm. if they miss out on jd martinez then yeah maybe they pay hosmer um i don't know that there's a scenario where they pay both of them because oh and the other thing is they have some good first base prospects coming up they have michael chavis who is currently an mm -hmm. infielder i don't think he's a very good infielder um, yeah. I have not been impressed with his play in the Arizona Fall League. He's definitely not a third baseman. But they might be looking at him as a second baseman replacement for Pedroia. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They've got the space. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think. I don't see them going after both of those guys just because that's going to max out. They're paying Chris Sale and David Price. Like, that's going to shove them so far over the luxury tax. And, and we've seen. I, I believe it was today I read from Dombrowski uh, that th it's not th they're willing to go over it that they're not necessarily committed to getting under it oh, that's weird uh, I've seen other things but uh, yeah because I, I I had similarly uh, heard heard the same stuff but you know if, if they're willing to blow out and that may just be bluster and you know trying to right. keep you know other teams uh, out of uh, their market or worry other teams about what they'll spend, but uh, yeah, it's it 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 certainly is is a concern. And and to your point of roster construction, you know, something. I guess that's where I get very interested in someone like Howie Kendrick, um, which we've talked about some uh, in in Slack. But I believe uh, Ben is also driving the. The Howie yeah. Kendrick, yes. Kendrick to the Mariners bandwagon. Yeah, we we are we are kindred spirits in the in the cult of Howie, cult of Kendrick. Uh, but you know, someone who is a right-handed hitter uh, has historically had a you know an above-average bat, um, maybe a WRC plus of 105 to 110. Um, so not exceptional for a first baseman, but if you're just platooning them against. Uh, lefties, and you have someone like Yonder Alonso, or I guess Lucas Duda. Although there's no one I'm less excited about than I am so tired. Back. I thought we had seen the back of those Duda to Seattle rumors, and now they're just <laughs> kicking up all over again. Yeah, and I've not seen anything that actually says, "Oh, the team's really interested." I've just seen people saying, "Oh, this would be a good fit." So uh, you know, trying to differentiate those of like. Is this the writer just projecting what they see, or is this an actual 
uh, you know, rumor that they've heard from within the organization. Oh, yeah. And, and it, you know, it, both, it, of, both of those make sense. You know, it's both important those are to, to happen, know there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, yeah. Like, I read a New York Daily News article today that predicted the J.D. Martinez to the Mariners. For sure. And I just, I, um, when I was done laughing, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sh- I meant to snarkily tweet it out, um, but I didn't feel like, <laughs> I didn't feel like publicly dragging the writer of them. <laughs> Um, but, but someone like Kendrick then, you know, is also a natural second baseman, can also play corner outfield, Mm -hmm. can play, uh, you know, around the infield if you need, uh, and, you know, helps essentially extend the bench, uh, in such a way that you don't have to necessarily carry a traditional utility person quite as, quite as frequently or you can you know you can live with having another utility person and not carry a fourth outfielder in the traditional sense uh and that allows you to have that three-man bench which then extends that bullpen into eight players um and the bullpen maybe becomes a more amorphous thing if you're doing tandem starts which i think is something we're very likely to see Mm um you know they tried to do it uh, on occasion uh a little bit at the at the back end of this or i guess in the middle and the second half of this year um with you know even with just gallardo and miranda or with gonzalez and more and mm-hmm. having guys and that's what they did in tacoma i mean they're definitely mm-hmm. training trying to train pitchers into that mindset of like okay yeah. go out there and give us four innings and yes the bullpen is gonna cover it from there and Ben, can you can you this this seems like a good moment for a quick moment of appreciation for Ben's uh, tallest four inning master, five inning disaster. Four uh, inning master, five uh, inning how, disaster. That's my new favorite nickname by far. <laughs> oh, tall I mean, wall. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just I think a lot of it for me. I'm just like holding on to hope that. Uh, you know, we're gonna get something out of that Alex Jackson trade. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, we're uh, talking about Max Posey, by the way. For, for right, folks. yeah. And as a starting pitching prospect, he looks extremely interesting. As a reliever, he looks like a guy who failed as a starting pitching prospect. So, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it too is like last spring. I think he reeled off like 13 shutout innings against major league competition. Granted, a lot of it was late inning games with you know. Guys coming up from split squad, for split squad games or whatever, but I just have like really held on to the potential that he flashed then, and I mean you see he's a big bodied guy, he's had success as a starter in the minor leagues, so I want to hold out hope that he can make it work, and for four innings every six days he can, <laughs> but then the fifth rolls around and I'm holding my breath and yeah it's like single I mean line drive hit by pitch and all of a sudden he's in yeah, trouble again it, so it's it's weird because he looks so good for those first four innings he has one of the highest strikeout rates among starting pitchers in the AFL and then it just falls apart I don't know mm. if he gets like too maybe overthinks it he starts trying to be clever and get out of the zone because the other thing is his walk rate shoots up he doesn't walk Uh guys he'll be in the zone in those first four innings and he'll give up some hits but mostly i mean he's striking guys out and then all of a sudden the fifth you look at where Uh the pitches are tracked and they're all over the place so i don't know if maybe he just doesn't have the secondary stuff yet to be developing as to get him through that lineup a second time or you just need some serious time with Lance Painter. 
<laughs> and the the strikeouts are what what makes it a little bit confusing. I mean, because he his main issue was we you know we were seeing him struggle to get strikeouts, and you know I mean the AFL is a small little sample, but. Right. Um, but he was striking guys out at Tacoma too towards the end of the year. Yeah, you know, he he was doing fine. Like he had I think he had a a little over uh, he had about a 20% K rate, which is fine. Pretty solid, you know, if you're especially if you're a starter, you know, that's going to work. Um, you know, it's, and his peripherals were certainly much better than his ERA um uh indicated, but it, it was that same thing that you guys talked about was just like he struggled to shut guys down for an extended period of time even though you know this is a 6-8 righty who's throwing 94-95 you know but just you know and so I think if we are thinking about it and and that's what I'm most one of the things I'm most curious about with this sort of wolf pack tandem starting kind of philosophy is are we going to see the Mariners really take a major radical step with the way that they are using their pitching staff uh, because they don't have they have two guys who can go six or seven innings uh, consistently and that those are James Paxson and Mike Leake and Mike Leake even yeah the Cardinals I mean, we- Cardinals fans were like laughing because they were like yeah Mike Leake's great for five innings and then after that he's terrible um, and obviously we saw I think the best possible iteration yeah. of Mike Leake, and I don't think we necessarily need to expect that. They you weren't know, laughing as much towards the end of the year. Certainly not. But but even if we you know expect okay, Mike Leake's going to be a good six inning guy, you know, Felix. They've already said they're going to try and work yeah. him in a different way to try and maintain his health, and I think that's going to have to be the case. Uh, and whether pitching him in in this sort of tandem, you know, you go four innings and then we bring in you know, Marco Gonzalez to go three innings, uh, whether that's a, a reasonable thing to do and whether you can you can utilize your pitchers in that way, that's a big leap. But, I, you know, especially if they're not able to shell out money for another starting pitcher or two, like Tyler Chatwood, who could be reasonably affordable, but or like Alex Cobb or Lance they gotta be really creative and you know because what what they run out there is gonna be what they're projected for right now which as we've said is a team that's not as good as at least two of the other teams in their division and maybe more so mm-hmm. uh, uh, the fact that they're talking about doing very different things is encouraging but uh and and they have a lot of pitchers who suffer as ben said that third time through the order penalty so i would love to see uh them them use guys like posey and moore and gonzalez and felix uh and erasmo in that we're gonna give you four innings may you know maybe five innings you know we're gonna give you a couple times to the order first sign of trouble we're gonna pull you it's not you know it's not gonna be on you it's gonna be uh, you know that's but like it we we have to get you in and that's going to make you available to pitch more. Um, <laughs> you but know, that takes buy-in. That takes buy-in. It really 
Zipchinski's place on this roster even. <laughs> no, doesn't it? Like, every one of mm. these roster spaces is so precious. And then we have a guy who's throwing one pitch, three pitches, and not yeah. even doing that particularly well. But then when they tried to stretch him out and give him more time and let him throw to batters of both hands... Uh, yeah, that deal is just looking... I always thought it was kind of weird, but whatever, pay a little more to get the guy you really want. But now it just looks bad. Yeah, I mean, he looks... It it, look, it was it was a rough deal that you could see what they were... You know, that looked like an overpay for something they needed. And I think they've adjusted to the situation that they had uh, in terms of no health and having to do something differently and now a guy who was a reasonable fit just doesn't fit at all mm-hmm. so i i mean maybe it's tough to get any value for him but he is a guy i think really makes sense as someone to to move for for almost whatever you can get uh i think what's kind of frustrating yeah. about his signing too is like they tried forcing him into a role last season that ariel miranda would be perfect for you know, and like, mm. if you want a left-handed guy who can get lefties out, but has the ability to strike out righties or just get them out in general, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something Ariel Miranda can do. I guess last season in particular, we needed him to start just because we were we couldn't keep five starting pitchers in the rotation. Mm. But going forward, Miranda's a guy who can do that for probably more effectively and a lot less expensively than uh, Scrabble can. So, mm. I mean... Again, it's just like every once in a while, Depoto does stuff that seems really <laughs> progressive and you're like really on board with it. And then he'll just do something like that. And you just are like, this seems to really go against the grain from the type of general manager I thought that you were. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm a little worried about Miranda just in that like he has not shown great dominance not not shown dominant splits against lefties um no. although if he continues to improve that slider then then i think he he's got something there um and, and i would like to see him work more uh and i also think you know there are a lot of lefty pitchers that you can you can acquire for reasonably cheap um that that you could you could fill in there if they really wanted uh, you know, to if they really needed to have another lefty guy. But, you know, I mean, even if you just have him as a long reliever and then if you need a lefty, you know, in a situation, then you then you work him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see I, – I guess I would predict that we see an eight-man pen the entire year next year, um, or at least eight pitchers, uh, or, or I should say at least 13 pitchers uh, on, on the roster because um i yeah i just i can't see uh i can't see them them fitting any other way uh with with the philosophy that they seem to be going after and i guess it's very possible that not all of them are healthy at the same time Mm -hmm. but that definitely seems to mean that you're either giving up your utility spot which is Mm -hmm. tough for, mm. uh, you know, Segura hasn't shown great health so far. Mm. Cano is obviously a little older. Or yeah. you're giving up that fourth outfielder slot, or you're mm. giving up the first base platoon. Yeah, I and part of it is like, if you if this team's completely unhealthy next year, then they're gonna lose a lot <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like maybe that's a 
sort of bad way of planning something out, but it's like, I, I guess I sort of see it as like a, if they, like as long as they don't sell their sort of major long-term assets, if they put together a team that would work if it was healthy or reason, you know, healthy within reason, uh, then I, I would feel pretty good about that because, you know, if they're healthy, hey, we have a good team. That's <laughs> awesome. And if they're not, you know, we we have a little bit of forewarning on that. We can sell some of the reasonable assets that we do have. Uh, guys like David Phelps and guys like probably Nelson Cruz. Um, you know, maybe even some of the some of the higher profile guys uh, or the guys with longer contracts, rather. Um, you know, and and you get some assets and you get another pretty good draft pick and you get another year of development in the system um, and and you reappraise you know next year but you know you have a, you have a fully healthy season from James Paxton and you have at least a little bit more from Felix and you have a little bit more from Kyle Seeger and you have a little more, more from Robinson Cano um, you know, and and you're looking at a, a very different team. So and you have Zanino maybe being Zanino again. Yeah, and and I you know I don't think you should say well all of the just because all these things didn't go well they will go well next year. Like I don't I don't mean to say that. Like it's it's still a a tough road to sled, but um, you know I think we we got let's see where's the question uh, from Colin Anderson here uh, at Canderson perhaps even C. Anderson, <laughs> 206, uh, as, as I appraise it. Uh, if the goal is a World Series, wouldn't the Mariners be more wise to sell off any pieces of value and rebuild from the bottom up? Um, and, and I think that is a very reasonable way of looking at it. Um, but I also think it's there, there just aren't that many pieces to sell right now. Uh, that will that will get you uh, the type of value that you want, um, and it's yeah. I, I guess I I don't think that one year uh, at least of pushing with this and pushing development uh, sets you back in terms of rebuilding because you're still gonna have that Cano contract, you're still right. gonna have that Felix contract, like you're still gonna have Kyle Seager, uh, you're still gonna have uh, you know. Gene Segura, who's going to be in his athletic prime, like if and if James Paxson has a full healthy season, hey, there is a guy that you can get a ton of value for if you really want to to tear it down. So, um, I, I I see this as a season worth pushing for it, uh, and I think there's a pathway of doing it without cratering cratering what's left of the farm. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a good question, but I think that's a good question to ask you know, at the All-Star break. If, if we're not competing at the All-Star break, and yet they're kind of just putting on the blinders and pushing through it, um, I, I think that's what's going to really frustrate me. Definitely. But right now, considering, like you said, I mean, we have those core pieces there that if we can kind of supplement those with some um, some quality acquisitions the rest of the, this offseason, I think... I mean, it doesn't matter if we skate into the wild card or if we win the division, which I don't think anybody's expecting. Like this season, 
New York wound up in the one game wild card and they were one game away from being in the World Series anyways, you know? So, um, I mean, I don't really think that's a fair question to ask for a team that's obviously trying to go for it and has, you know, I would say a realistic chance of making that happen if they, like I said, bring in those right pieces in the offseason. But yeah, if we get to the all-star break and uh, it's not looking like it's going to happen this year, I think that's when I really would expect those pieces to start being sold off. But I think that they kind of owe it to themselves to give it at least until that point before making that decision. Right. There's also Uh, the question of anything that's sold off has to be replaced. And, um, you know, let's say somebody comes knocking on Zanino. I love Mike Marjima, but I do not want to watch Mike Marjima be our everyday catcher for three years while they try to build someone up that they got in trade. So I, I think a, a rebuild is really appealing to people because it's very sexy. It's sexy to have uh, to burn it all down and start over and dream on these huge prospects and have huge prospects to dream on. It is less fun to grit and grind your way to hopefully <laughs> contending. Um, but I just I want people to think really hard who are interested in rebuilding to think really hard about what that would do to the experience of watching baseball for the next two years. What I keep coming back to also is I don't think that we're going to get a like super significantly lesser return on the tradable assets we do have if we move them in July than if we move them now, you know? Yes. I, and so, I mean, what do you have to lose is kind of what it boils yeah. down to for me. Yes. Absolutely. I uh, mean, you could argue we have better. They'll have more value. Uh, you know, you have Paxton coming off a largely hurt season. Um, you have Zanino just having made one breakout year. You have Hanniger, has, who's come off of a season of being hurt. I mean, a lot of guys who Seeger had the worst year of his career, if you are looking to sell him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, I think, I think Segura was hurt off and right. on. I mean, I think a lot of these guys will recoup. There's a good chance a lot of these guys recoup value as opposed to the other yeah. way around. And if nothing uh, else, I mean, we don't have guys to, you know, we don't have the pieces to trade right now to bring guys in, but if nothing else, let's just buy some players all a free agency, and then trade those guys at the deadline, you know, so yeah. they don't have no trade, yeah, yep, yep. Um, you know, contracts, then yeah, just flip them. At the, I mean, that, yeah. we're just buying more prospects in that scenario as well. Yeah, and yeah. that's a good pro- uh, thing to look at, too, with these deals. I don't want them to hand out ridiculous outsized de- deals to anyone, really. Um, but most importantly, when to look at those trade clauses carefully and not bring anyone here with a full no trade. Yes. Um, I, I think I wanted to make one last point on, on this sort of general theme. And if you guys had anything else you want to add uh, before we could just move to, I think our, la- our the rest of our yes, the questions, questions Take a break um, and, do the and questions. sort of yes. finish up with the questions. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, the rest of the American league is not looking great. Um, and and that's something that I think I just keep coming back to. Um, there are some top teams, obviously. You know, the Astros are going to be very good again. Uh, it's tough to envision them being bad. Uh, the, Yankees. the Yankees are going to be pretty damn good. It's tough to envision them being bad. Um, you could see, theoretically, their pitching falling apart, you know, just in that Tanaka and Sonny Gray both don't have stellar uh, health 
histories, but um, you know the Red Sox are kind of weird, but they should still be pretty good, um, and Cleveland should be pretty dang good. So that's you're you're essentially looking at there are four teams that are pretty for sure going to be good, um, and then there's not. I just I don't see any teams that look like guaranteed good teams. No. Um, and I've seen a few that. teams th- that are guaranteed bad teams. Like yes. The White Sox. Um, I don't think Baltimore is going to be very good. I think Baltimore is going to be very bad. Uh, I think the Blue Jays may be terrible. The yeah, Tigers Detroit's going to be terrible. Be terrible. The, the Royals are going to be terrible. Be the, um, it depends on what they spend on in free agency. But, yeah, I think there's a good chance the Royals aren't good. Yeah, and even then, I don't. Th- I don't think the Royals can spend their way into being mm-hmm. good. I think they could spend their way into being mediocre. But the Rays I might don't. be bad. Yeah, if if the, especially if the Rays have to cut payroll, mm-hmm. which is what they're reportedly having to do. Like they're like a they're they're a team that if they had another thirty million to add, they could do something. But they are going the opposite way, and that's yeah. That's, so that's tough. so it's you know essentially the entire AL East behind the Red Sox and the Yankees I think is going to be mediocre um, and the Orioles might be really bad. Uh, Cleveland should be very good. Minnesota should be good, but they have no pitching uh, and don't have a ton of money. Uh, And then the rest of the AL Central is going to be I think awful. (laughs) Um, You know, and then Houston's going to be really good and then the Angels could be good or bad. The Rangers (laughs) might be bad too. The Rangers, yeah, especially because the Rangers just don't have any good, like they their best player is Adrian Beltre, and Adrian Beltre is amazing, and Adrian Beltre is thirty eight, <laughs> um, and that's just a really tough thing to do. You know, they have a, they have Adrian Beltre and they have Elvis Andrews, and then they have a bunch of really young guys who have not put together full yeah, components of, of you know they have Gallo who is. If they good, could take but like doesn't do everything. Gallo and mash him together with another player. Like there are so many three-quarter good players on that team. Right. Like one like carrying <laughs> skill, and then. All the, except all of them, they have the carrying skill of power. <laughs> yeah. Like like Odor was a horrible player last year, but yeah. he hit thirty homers. Yeah. And Gallo is a you know good player, but only Chew. hit for power. Chew. And you know Chu and Chu's another guy who's like he's thirty-six or something, I think, and. Uh, you know, and they're paying him, I think, twenty-four million dollars. You know, like, so uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm I'm taking a long way to get to this point, which is just that the top level of the AL is way up there. I I absolutely agree, and I think it's easy to look at the Astros and to look at the World Series and to look at you know the the to look at Houston and say, well, why even bother? Yeah. Um, but I think it's also worth looking at the Yankees had a very limited team this year and had some, you know, peak, peak skill, but also had a, you know, there was a reason that they were barely, you know, I mean, not barely, but that they were a wildcard team. And that was that they did not have pitching depth and they did not have any great hitting at the bottom part of their lineup, uh, or great you know, sort of performance at the bottom end of their lineup. Um, you can do a lot if you just get to the playoffs. 
And it's true. And if you I, have I, Aaron I just, Judge yeah. hitting home runs in your little tiny band box of a for sure. But you know, Kyle, if you have Kyle Seager at third base, you know you can. You look at like the Blue Jays that will last several years. Like those weren't, ama- you know, those weren't perfect teams, but they had very solid middles of the lineup. And if you, you know, the Mariners certainly have that. If nothing else, um, you know, if you just have a really nasty part of the order that other teams can't get through, yeah, you're I gonna, mean, you can, you can be fine in a five-game series and a seven-game series. When all those guys are hitting and all of them are healthy, shock the world. And we're back. Now's the time on the Lookout Landing podcast where I pry my eyes away from Mike Marjama's Twitter and his goofy trout joke, which... I am still laughing at because I am also a cheese ball. Uh, apologize to John for the fact that I was a little distracted during that break. And <laughs> we do questions. Shut up. I love Mike Marjama. Are you, are you sure? Because it has been unclear. <laughs> <laughs> it, there have been so many mysteries this offseason. Can I just <laughs> tell you, like, when we were watching the World Series and the game was so exciting mm-hmm. and he got so excited, he put on his Mariners uniform and stood in front of the TV pretending he was swinging at the pitches. And, like, my God, never change, Mike Marjama. Like, continue to play this game with as much passion and enthusiasm and just dorkiness. Uh, and, man, I will be so happy to follow him over a full season. <laughs> well, he he probably he, – he, he put on his ch- little Mariner's costume. <laughs> He put on his Mariners costume and dressed we, up in front of the TV like a kid. I guess. Do we do we call it a costume if it's, it's a, costume. a baseball? Because I think it's, it's I think it's even for a child it is a uniform, it's much a less for a person no, who that jersey costume. does I think it's still like a technically kid believe belongs. No, it's a costume. Well, sort of, but like he is, he is it like a costume if you put on like it's a, a costume suit? when it's pretend. It's pretend. It's a costume. But he's but it's like he is a real Mariner. I know. <laughs> like but he, he was a real playing Seattle pretend Mariner. right then, which is what makes this so, so magical. <laughs> if you if if you like put on your suit, if it's you're a like costume. a costume, <laughs> right. If you're playing business, All man, right. <laughs> <laughs> just a decidedly <laughs> much duller game. Well, depends on the yes. business. All right. Um, okay. okay. Let's see. We'll go. To <laughs> we'll go to our first question here. Uh, Let's see. Our first question comes here from Jason, JT Sweezo. Sweezo! Uh, in the spirit of the Kyle Han Sego, oh, Seeger bobblehead, what M's player slash pop culture combo would you want to see in bobblehead form? Uh, first of all, can we say Han Sego? Han Sego. It's, there have been better ones. <laughs> there have been better ones. I mean, I know that losing Taiwan Walker dealt a real blow to the Star Wars puns, but come on. I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like there's definitely something better you can do than Han Sego. Uh it's it's not the best. Uh <laughs> I I will admit that. Um I I, I 
is there a better Star Wars, if, if they were really committed to the Star Wars theme, is there a better Star Wars themed uh, way that you could have gone? Chuvogobaka. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it would just be like, it would be a, a plushie, like a stuffed animal kind of thing. It would be so cute. Uh, Please play well fair. enough to get yourself on the roster, Vogelback, so I can actually <laughs> Photoshop that or have T do it. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, I just—I mean, there are there. I think it, kind of a stretch. You could do Leak Skywalker. Leak Skywalker? No, that's good. That's, that's good. Not, and Leak he's got I, the hair. He's got the—he's <laughs> got the—he's got, the, got the young Hamlet. <laughs> he's got the beautiful flow. No, I mean, come on. I refuse to think that a ton of time went into thinking up this promotion because I will say. Leek does have, like, too cheery of a face for, like, any of the, like... like. I, I do find it a little Skywalker weird that we're getting family. a band, Ben Gamble cap night and not a Mike Leek cap night. Well, um, he I, he just was... He was around longer. I think they mm-hmm. want to, like, play up the guy, you know, even if, even if he's not necessarily for the long run. I don't know. I'm just happy it's not a Taylor Motter cap night. Maybe that indicates Taylor Motter won't be on the roster next year. Didn't I thought we saw another Taylor Motter themed promotion though? I, I if I recall, we saw something that was I don't. I- Isabel was upset about something that it was indicative that he was going to be around. I thought I I saw, uh, I think so. but I <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> okay, but uh, coming up with our own ones. Uh, gosh, I don't know. It turns out that ragging on them is easy, but coming up with ones is hard. <laughs> um, maybe there could be like some kind of a tie-in, like a, a Segura things, and it's like. I don't know. You push a button and and ooze comes out of out of. Um, I don't know. No. I would I would it. like to stick with Kyle, but have Kaiju Seeger, um, and just have him be uh, sort of in a Godzilla type setup. Um, I don't understand that reference. Then <sighs> uh, have either of you seen Pacific Rim? I mean, Kaiju are not I limited not. to Pacific Rim. Oh, this is hurting my heart. Okay, well. <laughs> A kaiju is the general term for the giant monsters uh, that are, or a sort of a giant monster uh, in Japanese uh, sort of pop culture. Um, So like Godzilla or Mothra um, or King Kong, uh, all of those are technically in the kaiju family of products. They are also in the hit film Pacific Rim, uh, most prominently uh, as like scary alien multi-dimensional monster thingies um and so you could make kyle seeger that and you could kind of have him mainly i actually wanted him to be the uh in the the robot thingy and you could just have him be like rock'em sock'em uh robot punching baseballs out um urban dictionary says that they are quote usually over 200 feet tall <laughs> and they, they're known to frequently wander into cities and cause massive real estate damage <laughs> massive re- they're they're very cautious about human <laughs> collateral but the real estate damage is immense. public parks no no they value the green space Absolutely, but yeah, they're they're sort of the living Berthas. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's what I want. I want a 
Kyle Seeger with like big wings and teeth. Uh, okay. Well, punching. I thought my cigarette things was bad, but I. <laughs> All right. I've well, hurtful. About it now. <laughs> I, you've hurt my tender feelings, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it falls on you to either blow us out of the water or make us both feel better about ourselves. What do you got for us? I'm like one of the least creative people <laughs> I know, so I don't know if I can beat either of those. <laughs> the only one I can think of is like playing on the Seeger Segura thing, try to like make a Gene Segura Kyle Seeger bobblehead. Ooh, uh, with like <laughs> interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm. There you go. Like you, like th- those books that you had as a kid, where you like flipped a page, and all of a sudden you could give the monster like an alien spacesuit. Okay, so you page. you know about these things. You're just <laughs> playing Wait, rude. John, is that a kaiju? No, I'm describing a kaiju. It could be. It could be. It's it's a charming <sighs> children's trope, and your thing was a different thing. Wait, Kate, how many feet tall is your book? <laughs> As someone who has had to pretend while reading the book Abba Yo-Yo uh, to my four-year-old little sister and pretend to be a like 150-foot-tall giant, uh, I believe that children's books are full of kaiju, so thank you very much. Right. Every, uh, every time we podcast, I discover a new dorky thing about you that is fantastic. <laughs> um, all right. You're well, a multifaceted gem, John Troopin. Well, I, w- I would I would like to follow up with our next trope: insulting other uh, countries, <laughs> which seems ripe uh, in our That's next right. question. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, it's been a while. We've been we've been on a cold streak, but let's try and turn this one around. Our next question comes from PNV at Pacific Northwest Vagabond. Uh, I don't think that's actually his handle, but that's fine. Why do most players seem to go to Europe for vacations? It is great, but maybe a trip to Argentina or Australia might be fun. But it always seems that you hear about them taking European trips. Why? What do you think? Also, what do you think Gene Segura is going to cook up for Christmas? Oh, Mariner's potluck question. I like that one. Um, well, Danny Valencia and Yonder Alonso went to Cuba. And Danny Valencia did that whole like connecting with my roots thing. That was pretty cool. That's true. Um, and Australia, I think you have to go to Australia if you have to play Australian baseball like Jordan Cowan every year, <laughs> who, who has put together a pretty solid little season for himself. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've, I really grew a great appreciation for Jordan Cowan this year. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know why they don't go. I, they go tropical places. They go to, like, Hawaii. Segura was just in Hawaii, speaking of Segura. That's true. Well, um, they don't, there's not much baseball in Europe. So maybe maybe it's, like, if you just spend, it, like, your entire waking, like, uh, if you spend essentially, like, 250 days, like, doing one thing, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's nice to go somewhere where people, like, have is just absolutely no clue about yeah. what what baseball have you have either or both of you guys been to Europe ever? I have not. Italy, Kay. Spain. Okay. Did you ever try and talk baseball with people there? No. No. Uh, I I guess I can't speak forever, but in Greece, when I tried to sort of just well, I didn't really try, but they asked what sport I was into, and I tried to explain baseball. I it was immediately evident that like there was no no 
remote cultural connection. Like if you maybe could get to cricket, and that was like sure that it close enough. But uh, so maybe maybe it's just a, a yeah. full you know mind uh, it's sort of a, a cleanse. Total escape because you yeah. spent so much of your time just grinding. Mm. And also the players who get to go on vacation. I mean, you work for so long. The off season mm. grind is not just. I mean, let's take Art Warren it, for example in Modesto. Mm -hmm. So. Art showed up at spring training last year in like February. He was in minor league spring training. Goes through all of that. Season starts in April. He mm -hmm. plays a full season in Modesto. He plays uh, all the way through the playoffs. So he doesn't get done with baseball until late September, early October. N no, more like more mid-September, I think, actually. He has like two weeks where he gets to go back to Ohio and hang out. And then he's back for the Arizona Fall League, and he's going to play until mid-November, and then there's camps, and then there's spring training, and then it all starts all over again. So once you've done that for like four years or so, or however long it takes you to get to the majors, if you even get to, I can totally, totally understand wanting nothing to do with baseball over the offseason. I sort of went through a period like that myself when the season officially ended. Your little, like, your little cleanse. I, I did. I had like a week where I was like, I'm not going to write anything. I'm not going to. Yeah, I gave, I gave myself a vacation. So. It's it's good. It's good to find little breaks, and 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 then it makes you know. I I think perhaps it makes it a little more, uh, you know, exciting than when you're back. You know, you can you can fully appreciate it. Absence, heart, fonder, etc. Yeah. Um. All right, our next question uh, comes from at Karate Man Chan 37. Uh, teal or nah? Teal. Teal. 100%. Yeah, that was an easy one. Wonderful. Uh, good work, team. Uh, <laughs> uh, our next question comes from Benjamin Casperson. Uh, at Ben the Analyst. Exactly. Uh, the question is, what would hypothetically be the most Jerry move this off season? I'm not mm. sure how it happens, but the entire Tampa Bay Rays are now the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> That's it. It's the full team. Um, I was gonna say, what you know, wh what is Jake Odorizzi doing? Because I feel like somehow he. He may end up a Seattle Mariner. Here, I don't right? think he's like, going to be a Mariner because we can't get him. I don't, I don't know. They're trying to cut payroll. They're, they they're are, but they'll give him some other team that has actual prospects to give yeah, them. Yeah, but he well. was bad last year. He wasn't great, but some other team that has actual prospects to give them, even if they aren't like top-flight prospects. Uh, yeah, I just, I think we have to completely put the idea that the Mariner, if Jerry can fleece anyone into. That kind of a trade. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I don't think uh. it's possible, especially not for starting pitching in this market. Mm. But uh, that would hypothetically be the most Jerry move this offseason if we could yeah. somehow wind up with him. I lean toward lean toward visiting uh, New York again after you know twice already with Gamble and Pezos picking up like their quad A, if you will, pieces yeah. and those two guys that. Uh, Sure, do it again with the guys you mentioned earlier, those guys that they can't fit onto the 40-man that are going to get exposed to the Rule 5 if mm -hmm. they don't deal them. Um, yeah, send something their way, whether it's you know cash in the form of p picking up a contract or what, but uh, bring some of those guys our way for sure. I think one thing we've seen is that Jerry does like to try to work ahead of everybody else, and that's what you see with mm -hmm. Mike Leake. I mean, I've been saying all along, 
just pretend that Mike Leake was an off-season pickup, and you will yeah. feel much better about the Mariners' off-season. Uh, yeah. He jumped on that before the market blew up, which was great. Um, he's tried to do things like dealing low from the farm to get guys who, you know, he's he's had a couple um, uh, techniques that he's focused in on, like trying to get guys who are blocked who are in the high-level mar- minors out of other mm-hmm. teams. Um, I think a lot of teams know about, or a lot of people around baseball know, just because the Yankees have so much talent that they can't, and they've mm-hmm. faced this roster crunch. Everyone's known that it's been coming since, like, last season. So I yeah. think they get rated pretty good by a lot of uh, teams that, in the Rule 5, I think they get rated by a lot of teams that have higher priority than us. So mm. I would not be at all surprised to see him try to jump to the head of the line by cutting a deal with them before those players get exposed. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the real answer is he trades for Tyler Skaggs for a third time uh, with his third different organization. So, <laughs> maybe uh, we could keep him healthy. Maybe. Dream, D- dream big. Martin. She's a powerful lady. Indeed. Um yeah, he's thrown 120 innings in the last three years total. So uh, sounds like a Mariner already. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, just a couple more questions here uh, before we wrap up. Uh, Isabel asks, uh, you can only sign – sorry, that's our Isabel Manassian uh, at 95 Coffee Spoons. You can only sign Lookout Landing staff members to the <laughs> team this offseason. Who do you sign and w- for what position? Mm. Um, I think just one person each. Maybe we, we, can, we can say just for – I don't know if this person technically counts still, but I just feel like Ethan could slug. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan has Ethan a solid bat. Counts. He's he's got a very ba- rough shoulder, but he's he's got the bat. You know, he's he's sort of a you know a, a bit of a late stage DJ Peterson where where <laughs> he, you'd have to move him to first base. I but the bat might not play quite enough there. Hey, but Ethan uh, is very proud of his abilities at shortstop. Okay, his fielding I think is not the issue. I think everything up uh, you know ground to glove to arm back feeling great arm forward as far as i can tell is where we might have some some issues i think maybe the first throw would be spectacular and the next 20 might uh might leave him sort of curled up uh he he might pull the gene segura sort of gene segura face gif but he just then wouldn't rise back up again well i'm gonna go with um our Mandy, Mariner Mandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda is an ex-gymnast, I believe. So yes. flexibility, uh, speediness. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely, I'm, I'm thinking we put her in center field and let her, uh, let her do her best Dyson. I think, I think that's a good call. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, d- and definitely, you know, we need health at the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, very you know, durable. So yeah, uh, that's that's that is important. Unless I'm mistaken, is is she not pregnant though? Oh well, there's that. But <laughs> so Kate broke the rule. She but, hey, two but people. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I I I took her. I, I did my best, Jerry Depoto, and I got two players for the price of one. 
uh, with baby to be Impressive. named later. So absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's just the shrewd kind of thinking that <laughs> makes me a great GM, which is the position I would draft myself for. Oh Christ! Uh, hey. I <laughs> no, it's <was> good. <laughs> that was not. That was, I did not consider that uh, that angle, and I'm I'm very impressed. It's all right. I um, was you earlier. Well, it is what it's it is. Kanji or whatever. Uh, kaiju. Kanji is. <laughs> Nah, that's enough. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to bait you into nerding out even uh, more. <laughs> it's knowing a language. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I think I would go. Uh, it's, it's a it's a tough one. I, I mean, uh, perhaps this is this is rude. Uh, self self. Uh, you know, stacking the deck. But I have seen Grant Bronston uh, in center field before, and and he he has the speed. He can also he can fill in at in middle infield. Doesn't have a strong arm, but an accurate arm. Um, and uh, especially in in the heat of the moment, he sort of transforms uh, from a sort of calm, cheery, uh, blonde, uh, fair-skinned child into just fully red-faced rage uh oh. and the i've never known a more competitive spirit so uh i i think he would be a an, an excellent uh you know he's sort of a, a glue guy sort of the the kind of guy you'd hate to have on the other team but the type you love having oh he's on alex bregman all right sure uh, yes he is in he's a way. actually he's literally <laughs> in a lot of ways alex bregman yeah that, that fits he would it also uh, delight all the people who really miss Lloyd McClendon if he would just indulge in like a little good old fashioned dirt kicking base oh, throwing. Dirt dirt would be kicked. <laughs> That's good. Uh, we need that fire. Yeah. I, I we I have a lot of third grade uh post recess like everyone has to sit on the carpet <laughs> and talk about what happened <laughs> sessions to point to. Uh as evidence of of his <laughs> his ferocity. Um, all right, we're we'll uh, we'll wrap up here with a, a final question, a, a more realistic question, and, and a good one, I think that may, maybe maybe makes some sense. Uh, from JJ Huber uh, at Darth Huber, um, if Gerard Dyson doesn't get re-signed, uh, which is something I think all of us are interested in, assuming the price is reasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, is there any chance that the Mariners trade for Billy Hamilton? I'd seen that question come through, so I kind of did a little research into it, and uh, I was actually kind of surprised to see, well, one, Gerard Dyson actually contributed quite a bit more, or he put out a lot more value offensively than Hamilton did, which I, yeah. I, I didn't realize how bad he was last year <laughs> offensively, mm -hmm. but and, and I think largely due to that, Dyson was, I mean, Dyson played almost 30 less games. I think he was – Dyson appeared in one, 100, uh, 111 for us, and Hamilton appeared in 139. And Dyson was worth like a full win more than Hamilton, even with that uh, base running upside that Hamilton provides. And, um, again, even playing in almost 30 less games, he racked up you know six more defensive runs saved than Hamilton did over the course of the season. Mm -hmm. So that said – um, you know, I think that some of the comments I've heard kind of make it sound like uh, the organization kind of kind of views the acquisition of Dyson as not necessarily a failure, but not necessarily um, making the impact we hoped it would. So I, I don't anticipate they'd want to kind of 
double down on that tactic with someone who sort of provided less value to their team than Dyson did. The trade-off there, obviously, is Dyson is a bit older, and Hamilton would be owned and controlled through 2019. So I think Mm -hmm. he'd become a free agent in 2020. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's still some value there if you want to, you know, if we're out of it, we could flip him or we could choose to hold on to him. But um, in short, I I don't see them revisiting that well, considering uh, Dyson actually was a little more productive than Hamilton was last year. What about you guys? Um, I would love them uh, for them to investigate it. I mean, you know, the the Reds are still sort of in the midst of building up their their prospects, and and I don't think that they're. I I don't see them having Billy Hamilton on the next playoff Reds team. Um, so I I and Hamilton has been part of trade rumors for the last year or two, uh, especially coming off a down year, uh, or a, certainly a worse season than he had the year before. Um, it's, I think the Dyson comp is a good one just because it's tough for me to see Hamilton coming more cheaply than Dyson. And if you're going to get roughly the same production, Hamilton, whether by reputation or whatever it may be just is gonna cost a reasonable amount in prospects uh because you know his contract isn't you know significant it's maybe four million dollars so it's not like the reds need to get rid of him uh so he's certainly a guy that i'd like to see them go after but uh you know cincinnati is looking to add (laughs) talent uh, you know young controllable talent and the mariners don't have a lot of that that isn't currently already at the major league level yeah. same problem as with all the other trade scenarios i'm afraid yeah. um but they've got to do something i mean we were so bad on the bases last year mm-hmm. and that dyson was the only valuable base runner uh gamble mm-hmm. was okay but other than yeah. those i know that the it kind of the gamble's boo-boos stand out very clearly he was actually pretty valuable on the bases um yeah so they've got to and do i think something. part of that is I, th- I think part of that we'll we'll see recouped just in a healthy gene segura yeah. you know we saw that in the second half of the year where he didn't have hamstring injuries and i think he was like 12 for 12 on stolen bases after being like 50 50 uh for you know like the first half like that's still a 20 yeah. 25 stolen base kind of guy and a guy who gets extra bases on on uh, the path uh, with right. his speed. So, um, and Hanniger yeah. just not sending Hanniger would turn him from a negative into at least a neutral. Yeah, which would be so helpful. Yeah, and I, I mean it's you know, the the Mariners are starting going to be starting four players and realistically five players that are gonna be negative yeah. base runners. So like as a team as a whole because which Cruz is Zanino, and Cano, Cano, Seager, Cruz. Yes, and probably, you know, if they sign Yonder Alonso, definitely Yonder Alonso, slow yeah. man. <laughs> He's so um, slow. You know, As Ethan like, says, runs like he is towing a piano that uh-huh. is full of another smaller piano. <laughs> um, you know, so, like, I, I think the team-wide numbers are never going to look great. Um, but, you know, the guys who are hitting for power uh, are going to be – you know, need the guys who are 
speedy to yeah. have it together, I guess. Um, They're going to have to make some kind of a decision on Ian Miller this year, too. He is uh, up for the Rule 5 draft for the first time, I think. Um, is and they'll he? have to, yeah. Uh, and they have to protect him or not. And if they don't protect him, I could see somebody who wants a bunch of stolen bases nabbing him and putting him on their 40. Yeah. Uh, it'd be tough just because he hasn't hit at a triple-A level. Um, I, you know, I think you could probably slip him through, but I mean... Maybe you can slip him through this year. If he hits a triple-A, you can't... Oh, yeah. I mean, if but if he hits a triple-A, then, then he should come up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then, then he should come play for the Mariners. And you know, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, that would yeah. be great if there was any way that if he can yeah. at least just all he has to do is Billy Hamilton. Like all he has to do is manage. Just get on base yeah. a couple times and let the speed do the rest. So yeah. um there there is that waiting at triple A too yeah. in, and Andrew to Applin, maybe help us. Maybe yeah, Applin is, is speedy. Okay. Um, He's fine. Yeah. Surprisingly speedy. Yeah. Um so kind of makes up for them losing Hanneman who was supposed to bring that as well. But Bummer. all right, well, uh, those are the questions we've got. Um, thank you guys for for coming and talking uh, off season. Obviously, we're going to be doing this throughout the rest of the you know winter. Um, but I'm really excited about this off season plan um, that we're going to have up for you guys very soon. And um, you know, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we always want to hear your guys' input and. Uh, it, it's gonna be interesting, yeah, one way or the week, other. Next week we'll we'll take questions on the off-season plan. Maybe we'll talk yeah. about that, and yeah. hopefully, maybe we'll have some moves to talk about as well. So. Yeah. I so hear read it. Get some, your questions some, some together. Some non-Zach Vin. Vince. 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 Yeah. Vince. Before we go, I want to hear from you guys. Official, and we're only talking signings. Official mm-hmm. starting pitcher, first base, and outfield signing predictions. Hmm. And if you don't think we'll sign like a first baseman, we'll go in house or whatever. Just pick somebody. Uh, I think we go Yonder Alonso at first base. Probably not Valencia. Um, so I think I think they go uh, uh, either someone like Kendrick or well I. I'll, Pick one person. I'll say I'll say Yonder Alonso and and Harry Kendrick. Um, for the outfield, I think they bring Dyson back on a two-year deal. And for pitching, I think they. Uh, I want to say Tyler Chatwood, but I think it's more likely we see like a bunch of Trevor Cahill. Uh, Jaime Garcia and oh. type things, and then they really lean into this Wolfpack thing. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think Cahill is somebody who's not being talked about because he had a bad year, but he has a pretty good ground ball rate. Um, he's got velocity. And he, yeah. and he had a bad second half, right? Like yeah. he he was lighting it up before he got hit hurt. Um, and had made some some legit adjustments. So yeah. So if they bring someone in, which I still think it's entirely possible that they consider Mike Leak their starting pitcher off-season acquisition and try <sighs> to roll with what we've got. I that's 
I have this gut feeling about that. But so I might actually be really glad to see Trevor Cahill's name announced, which is a weird place to be in. Mm. Um, outfield, I think there's a real possibility they go after Carlos Gomez, mm. who would be cheap. Um, and first base, I think that they might roll it out again with the Cuban platoon. Mm. Back to Valencia and Alonso. I'm going to be blindly optimistic. I, th- I think we go get Darvish. I think we go Darvish, <laughs> okay. Dyson, Alonso. That's my official. <laughs> and I think Alonso, I think he commits to Alonso as the uh, full-time first baseman. No platoon mate then. No platoon mate. I, I mean, I would. I have questions about how much the platoon brings. So, yeah, maybe there is no platoon. Mm-hmm. And they just use that. I think that's actually more plausible than the idea of Alonso and Valencia. I want to amend my answer and say <laughs> I think that they do that and they they roll forward with um, Gonzalez, Ramirez, uh, Miranda, all Wolfpack pitching. It's hard to get excited about though. I want like one thing I can be excited. I'm not excited about any of those moves. Well, one I think they'll do one exciting thing in one of the ways. I it's just yeah. it you know, it's but they won't do an exciting thing in all three. Yeah, but absolutely. It's tough to it's tough to know which one they'll, they'll Which do one will be legit. Well, what was the exciting thing last season? I mean, Segura, right? Segura. <laughs> Segura. Oh yeah, that that oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> what was that exciting thing she wondered? <laughs> Forgetting the thing that blew up her phone in the middle of making a pie. Yes. All right. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to see anything that exciting. Mm. But uh, besides Darvish. No. (laughs) I the optimism of youth. Okay. I just refuse to believe that he's just gonna. They're gonna roll out the same lineup that we had last year, same rotation, and then add one like number three, number four starter. And I guess Leak has been added too, so I, I can't discount that. But I don't think that they're going to think that an additional 80% of a season from Leak plus whatever other, you know, Trevor Cahill is going to make the difference f- between us making the playoffs or not. And I, it's easy to say, well, if they stay healthy, they'll make it. But I don't think that we have any real reason to just assume we'll be more healthy than we were last year other than the fact that it can't get any worse Mariner slogan right there. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. I think Darvish is going to be a. I am. Feel in my bones, Darvish is going to be a Dodger again. But there's a team that is definitely trying to get under the luxury tax. So uh, I don't know. There's that. Please let the exciting thing be Shohei Otani. Please, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to those of you who listened. Sorry we were missing last week, but here's an extra long pod for this week. And uh, thank you, Ben and John, for coming on with me. And thank you to all of you who sent in questions. And we will talk to you next week. There is maybe not a more fearsome lineup than that, you know, Mm -hmm. Segura, Cano, Cruz, Seager. Like, that is just, that is punch after punch after punch after mm-hmm. punch when all those guys are working well and um, you know we got to see it a couple of times there were a few games and those games were so fun when mm-hmm. that part of the lineup was clicking and it, it is I mean I just I looked at that as an opposing pitcher and just what a nightmare that would be definitely 
So, um, so hopefully the Astros have a severe World Series hangover, and hopefully <laughs> we, uh, you know, we just need to do enough. And free agency is a great place to think about what that enough is going to be. Uh, Absolutely. Maybe we should take a little break, and uh, then we have a few really fun questions. So take a break, Perfect. warm up our brains, and uh, get on those. 